Welcome, welcome, welcome into Moments of Genius here on CMRU.ca by Students For You. My name is Peter Roman, and over the next hour, I'll be going through some of the biggest moments in the world of sports and playing some great music along the way. I know it's 9 o'clock on a Friday, which is not normally my time slot, but with I had a work scheduling thing where I now work where my previous radio show time was. And so, yeah, basically I work at 4 o'clock on Mondays now. So I'm doing Fridays at 9 a.m. So it's just a small little change, but my show will still stay exactly the same. Today, my music theme is 60s music. So I'll have 60s music all throughout my show today. As far as my sporting content, there's a lot, because considering last Monday was Remembrance Day, obviously, and so it's been a little while since I've been on the air, but I have NFL stuff I want to recap. I also want to recap the Mount Royal Cougars soccer team as their season came to a close, and I also want to dive a little bit into the youth sports draft that took place this past week, and then a little NHL NBA stuff. But I have to start with the big event that I was able to go watch when it happened, the Canadian Premier League Final. So the Canadian Premier League is a brand new soccer league in Canada. And the first two finalists of the league were Hamilton's team called Forge FC and Calgary's team called Cavalry FC. I know a Calgarian team called Cavalry is a little confusing sometimes, but it kind of makes sense. To some degree, anyway. But this game, or the games, I should say, it was played over a two-legged aggregate. So two-legged aggregate is just, there's two games played, and it's the combined score. Whoever wins the combined score wins the tie and wins the whole thing. And so Cavalry, by virtue of scheduling, ended up having the second leg, although they probably would have picked the second leg anyway. There was kind of a long confusing formatting thing with them and as far as when games would be played but regardless that's a whole nother thing but the first game was played in Hamilton the second game was played in Calgary combined score would win the first I believe they called it the Northern Shield I believe is what they called the trophy I actually got to see the trophy they were they had people if you wanted to stand in a really long line you could take a picture with it type of thing. Unfortunately, just because I didn't get there with an extreme amount of time before the game, and so for that reason I didn't wasn't able to take a picture with the trophy, but it was still cool to look at. And just overall, Spruce Meadows, which is where Cavalry play their games, it's a really cool venue. And I know the field itself kind of sucks, but... Every grass field in Calgary kind of sucks to some degree as far as soccer is concerned. I definitely know that I'm speaking in the minority here as far as soccer opinions, but growing up playing in this city, I loved playing on artificial turf more than grass. And I know like the soccer purists and, you know, most people are like, are you crazy? You know, artificial turf, you get hurt all the time and whatever. I actually never got injured playing on turf. I got injured playing on that thing they call a carpet for indoor soccer. That's like, again, a whole nother conversation. 
That along with actually a grass field that I also got injured on playing the, playing the game. I never got hurt on a turf field. I love playing on turf. I think in this city, those are the best fields. But Cavalry wanted to play with real grass. And so they kind of have what they have. It's a converted... It's a converted field, obviously, just because Spruce Meadows is used for, like, horsing, like, horse races and stuff like that. And so, yeah, it's not the best condition field. But the venue itself is really cool, just because it's a small venue. It seats about 6,000, but you get really intimate and close, and you can see almost everything, and which is just really cool to see. As far as the game itself, so Forge won the first leg in Hamilton one nothing, And so they had a one nothing lead coming in. That game was basically, in one word, officiating was a problem in that game. So, I guess that was three words. <laughs> Regardless, officiating was not good in this first game. Wasn't very good in the second game either. I'll get to that in a minute. But in the first leg, Cavalry, their center back, Joel Waterman, ended up getting sent off. And that's because... He was deemed to have played the ball in the area with his hand. Which is dicey, because on the replay, I mean, yes, it hits his hand, but I didn't think there was real intent there, and the referee sent him off, which you're technically not supposed to do unless it's a deliberate handball in the area. There's a, It's kind of a really confusing little add-on, like... It's like an appendix add-on, or it's a little paragraph that they've added to the handball rule and the FIFA laws of the game. And so, I don't know. I, I didn't agree with the decision, but Cavalry, I mean, Carducci, credit to him, he saved the penalty. And then Forge actually scored their goal because the ball, and this is, I'm, I'm not going to blame the referees on this one just because... I don't think they could have possibly seen it. But on replay, the ball did go out of bounds on the sideline. Not going to blame the refs because I don't think they were in the right position to see it. And, I mean, that's something that video assistant referee, VAR, would have taken away. But Canadian Premier League doesn't have VAR. At least not yet. Hopefully that's a thing to come in the future. Although they need better referees to enforce that too. Regardless... They scored a really good goal because after the ball went out of bounds on the sideline, they had Forge had a break down the left, played it in in the middle, and it was Tristan Borges who shot it perfectly into the corner and gave Forge a one thing lead that they took to Calgary. And so in this game, Calgary had to score at least once. Unfortunately, could not get it done. Forge won the second leg, also won a nothing. Although in fairness, the goal that Forge scored... I mean, it was a garbage time goal. They scored it because there was a questionable incident in the box where Dominique Zator, one of the cavalry center or cavalry defenders, I should say, I guess he played right back in this game, but he basically kind of had his leg kicked out a little bit, and Forge went the other way and had a two on O because Carducci, the goalie, was the only one not in the box. So yeah, that was kind of the the way that went. But yeah, the officiating was real bad in this game. And my only question is just, was that really the best the Canadian Premier League had to offer as far as officiating? Like, they could have easily gotten a better referee. 
And they... They didn't. They had the ref they did. He really struggled to keep control of the game. He made some very questionable decisions. Didn't give up... Excuse me. Did not give out anywhere near enough cards. And ultimately ruined a lot of what the game could have been as far as an excitement level. So, obviously that's never fun. You never want to have a bad referee in a final. Unfortunately for Cavalry, that wasn't the reason they lost. As much as people want to be mad about the official, and yes, you should be mad about the official. I mean, he was not very good at all in this game. But Cavalry lost on their own merit. And that's because they couldn't find a goal that would have tied the game, or at least sent it to penalties. Unfortunately, the best chance in the game fell to the... I don't even know why I said unfortunately there. If you're a team that has a golden opportunity, and who do you want taking that chance? Your leading goal scorer, or some defender or goalkeeper? You want your leading goal scorer to take the best opportunity. Cavalry had that. Dominique Malanga was their leading goal scorer throughout the season. And he got a header opportunity inside the six-yard box in the second half, point blank. All he's got to do is get it on target, and he heads it into the ground, and it shoots up and goes over top of the net. It sucks, and you could see after the game, after Cavalry lost, how distraught Malanga was, but... I mean, he knows better than anybody that he messed up. And he was far from the only one who had a chance to score. I'm not trying to pin this all on one player because that's totally unfair. There were lots of other players who had opportunities to score goals. But that was the best opportunity easily. And he's the leading scorer on the team. you got to take that chance, especially in a big final. And so, unfortunately, was not meant to be. But the game was really exciting, though. Even though they lost, it was... Every time Cavalry got a corner kick or a free kick, like, you could feel the grandstand shaking. That's how loud it was. It was very fun to be a part of. Unfortunately, the result didn't go quite as well. But it was really cool just to be there and be part of history. And, yeah, Forge got the better of Cavalry in this final. And so they got to hold the the little shield or whatever. But certainly, I mean... I think both teams should be really proud of their seasons. I think the entire league should be proud of what they've achieved in their first season. Cavalry were able to win the Spring League, win the Fall League. They lost the final, but, I mean, it happens. They also made the semifinals of the Voyager's Cup, which they lost to Montreal Impact, but they got to beat the Vancouver Whitecaps, which in itself is an amazing accomplishment considering they're an MLS side with way more money. And then Forge made it pretty far in the CONCACAF League and, of course, finished second place in the Fall League and the Spring League and then won the final itself. If you're wondering why there's a Fall League and a Spring League, kind of a long story. Basically, the CPL decided to go the Brazilian League route, the Mexican League route. They kind of, Mexico and Brazil's leagues have similar formats. Not sure why they went with that, but, I mean, it's an inaugural season. There's still things that can change, and so hopefully that will change going forward. A final note on this game that I want to mention. 
Saskatchewan. And I know Saskatchewan wasn't in this final. I know Saskatchewan doesn't have a CPL team yet. But it was really cool because this was in the foot soldiers section. So the foot soldiers, they're like the diehard fans. They're the ones who show up like every single game type of thing for Cavalry FC. So in the foot soldiers section, there was like right beside them a few Saskatchewan fans who brought a banner saying Sask is ready for the CPL. And they brought a flare, and it was really cool. And I loved seeing that banner because they're right. Saskatchewan does deserve a CPL team. Because this is not a league that requires you to have a big, giant stadium. This is not a league that requires you to have a super talented team. This league requires you to have, you know, a few thousand in attendance on average. And as long as you have that type of fan base... And if you have a venue, you have some interest, I mean, I think almost any city could get a CPL team. Now, I don't necessarily want every city in Canada to get one, but Saskatoon especially should. And I think they could do it. With the Saskatchewan Soccer Summer Series that they did, they got like 3,000 people for that. And that was just against like the youth squads of Toronto FC and Vancouver Whitecaps. So I don't see why not as far as... Saskatchewan could easily, in my opinion, make up one of the expansion teams going forward in this Canadian Premier League. But again, it was a fantastic opening season. I hope to see more expansion in the league. And overall, I think this is just great for Canadian soccer and helping get it to a place that maybe, maybe we can be a consistent qualifier out of the CONCACAF region for stuff like World Cups. Anyway, that's it. That's all I got to say about the Canadian Premier League final. My first song of the day, I have The Beatles and I Want to Hold Your Hand. You're listening to CMRU.ca by students for you. It's 
CMRU.ca, a station by students for you. With over 40 radio personalities and shows, we've got something for everyone. Online, anytime. CMRU.ca, by students for you. Welcome back to Moments of Genius here on CMRU.ca, by students for you. I'm on to my second sports segment of the day, and that is doing my NFL recap. And so I've missed a couple of weeks, but the one thing I really wanted to do now that every team in the league has played at least eight games, and so they're over halfway on their schedule, I wanted to kind of do a little bit of a mid-season recap. And so the way I like to do this, or at least the way I did it last year, is there's a segment on Colin Coward's show on Fox Sports 1 called The Herd, where he, he likes summing up like either games or like uh, games or like preseason preview, stuff like that. And he'll do it in like three words. So he'll describe teams in like three words. And so I'm not doing the same thing, but inspired by that, basically I'm going through every team in the league and I'm summing up their season so far in like one or two sentences. Just because I think three words is kind of a little short, but I'll go through one or two sentences and then kind of explain what I mean when I say that. So, I'll start in the NFC East. And first, my team. The Eagles are up and down. That's pretty much their season. Philly has some good wins against Buffalo, against Green Bay, and they have some bad losses against Detroit prim- and Atlanta primarily. So, I think the Eagles still have potential, but their next two games are going to tell me a lot about this team. They get New England this week, little scared about that game, but nonetheless, we have beaten the Patriots before, so a little bit of optimism there, but they play new they play sorry New England this week and then Seattle next week. so find out a lot about the Eagles coming up in the next two games. Next team, the Cowboys have only beaten one good team. That's my sum up for Dallas. The only good team they beat was Philly, which doesn't isn't easy to say. Doesn't feel very good, but very true. Dallas has beaten Miami, the Giants twice, Washington, and Philly. And they've lost to Minnesota and New Orleans and (laughs) Green Bay. I think, and they lost to the Jets. That was a weird one. Don't know how they lost to the Jets, but Dallas really has only beaten one good team so far. Next team, Washington. The Skins need a head coach that believes in Haskins. I know that's not really summing up their season, but that's kind of summing up their situation a little bit more than their season, just because they already fired their coach, and 
They picked a quarterback in the first round named Dwayne Haskins, but they sort of don't believe in him. That's just never, ever a good recipe for success. So they definitely need to find a head coach. New York Giants. There's something to build around. I think that's the most important thing with the Giants right now is just there's some hope there. I mean, they have a lot to address. There's a lot of positions they need to improve upon. But they have a decent core. They have Daniel Jones. They have Saquon Barkley. Their offensive line isn't totally terrible this year. And then you got, I mean, Jabril Peppers on defense. Like, there's some players. You need more, but there's something there. NFC North. Green Bay Packers. The Packers are throwing flags for themselves. Has there been a team in the league more helped by officiating than Green Bay? I mean, that call for roughing the passer against the Panthers this past week was just god-awful. Terrible call. Like, Green Bay, and I know the picture, it's funny, it's a meme, you know, Rodgers caught the flag and whatnot, but Green Bay's kind of throwing their own flags to some degree. Like, Trey Flowers in that win against the Lions, Trey Flowers has never, ever been called for legal hands to the face until that game. Yeah, they're a good team, but... I have a feeling karma might come back to bite them later on in the year. And basically, in sports, this tends to happen a lot. Don't be surprised if it happens. Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings will go as far as Kirk Cousins takes them. I know that's kind of the same thing I said last year about them, but it's also kind of true. Dalvin Cook is unbelievable. He's been my MVP in my fantasy team this year. But Kirk Cousins, if he plays well, this team can win. If he doesn't, if he starts turning the ball over, they're not going to win. Simple as that. Chicago Bears. I don't need a sentence. I need two words. Offensive regression. That's it. Their offense has gotten worse. Simple. Detroit Lions. The Lions are not as bad as their record. Most teams are what their record says they are. I don't think Detroit's quite that bad. I think Detroit's better than what their record is. They've just gotten unlucky this year to some degree. And I hope Matt Stafford's okay. He's dealing with an injury right now. They need him definitely going forward as far as trying to get any kind of win. NFC South, New Orleans Saints. The Saints only have one blemish. Lost to Atlanta this past week. Can't explain that in any way. They've been really good outside of that. Carolina Panthers. Cam Newton has played his last game for the team. There are reports he's going to be traded, and I believe those because Kyle Allen looks like he's maybe not the long-term solution, but he's going to get the chance to prove he's the long-term solution. Atlanta Falcons, the most underachieving team in football. Atlanta had a lot of expectation because I know their season sucked last year, but they had so many injuries that you kind of excused it. No excuse this year. They're just not good. They are a bad football team, plain and simple. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Jameis Winston cannot start in the NFL. If he, he can be in the league. Like Winston's not such a bad quarterback that he can't be an NFL quarterback, but he shouldn't be starting anymore. He turns the ball over way too much, and he's cost Tampa Bay too many times in too many games. NFC West, 49ers, best defensive line in football. 
I mean, yeah, San Francisco's 8-1. and one. Their D-line is spectacularly good. Seattle Seahawks. Russell Wilson is starting to run away with MVP. I know people are going to scream at me and say, Lamar Jackson. Yeah, Lamar Jackson has better support around him than Russell Wilson does. LA Rams. The Rams have made Jared Goff the most overpaid player in football. Goff has, I mean, not to toot my own horn, but kind of to do that, I definitely called it. Way overpaid on his contract. Arizona Cardinals. Excited for next season. There's not a whole lot this year for Arizona. But you know what? Next year, definitely something to look forward to. AFC East. New England Patriots. New year, and they're still here. The dynasty won't go away. Plain and simple. Buffalo Bills. The Bills need their offense to help the defense. Buffalo can get in the playoffs, but they need their offense to step up because Allen and that offense is letting down the defense. New York Jets, two words, seeing ghosts. And for anyone who doesn't know that reference, I very much encourage to look it up. Basically, their quarterback said he was seeing ghosts in the game against New England, and he's been kind of trolled since. But considering that the New York Jets lost to the Dolphins, they're definitely seeing ghosts. Speaking of the Dolphins... They're my next team. The Dolphins are preparing for t- the 2020 draft. I know they have two wins now, but Miami's all... Their entire plan is to just pick well in the draft. And so they're already prepping for that. AFC North. Lamar Jackson might be the best running quarterback of all time. I know that might sound hot takey, but he's really good. And yeah, like... He can throw now. He's not, a like, a running back. He can throw, so he is a quarterback. But this dude can run like nobody, maybe except Michael Vick. Pittsburgh Steelers. Mike Tomlin is rising up towards coach of the year. I did not think Pittsburgh would be where they are right now with their record. But here we are. Mike Tomlin deserves a lot of credit for that. They've lost so many good players, but they continue to be... Relevant in the AFC playoff race. Cleveland Browns. Not as good as they should be. Also, for that Thursday night game yesterday, there should be a lot of suspensions both ways. Miles Garrett should be gone for a long time. Like, probably six games minimum. You can't... What he did, for those of you who might not have seen it, Miles Garrett basically ripped the helmet off of Mason Rudolph, the Steelers quarterback, And swung and hit him in the head with it. So, yeah, he should be gone at least six games, if not the entire season. Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals are in complete denial. This team made no trades at the trade deadline. They have an old team with next to no draft picks and insist on just staying the course, despite the fact they are still winless. Complete denial. The Bengals are in a lot of trouble. AFC South, Texans, Houston is a dark horse in the AFC. I think they could pull off an upset. Don't think they will necessarily, but they could. And so they're one of my dark horses. Indianapolis Colts, the Colts need Jacoby Brissett. Brian Hoyer Colts are real bad. Jacoby Brissett Colts are decent. That's pretty much as much as needs to be said. 
Jaguars. Minshew makes the future look promising. So Gardner Minshew took over after Nick Foles got hurt. Foles is back now, but at least for the long-term thinking, I think the Jaguars are pretty happy. Tennessee Titans. Still can't figure them out. Don't know who Tennessee is. They win when they feel like it against good teams. They lose when they feel like it against bad teams. I don't think I'll ever figure out this version of Tennessee. They look like a Super Bowl contender one minute, and the next minute, they look like they should be tanking for a top five pick. AFC West, my last division. Kansas City. The Chiefs' defense will let them down in the playoffs. Casey's defense is still a problem. Hasn't been fixed. Oakland Raiders. Giving the city of Oakland something to cheer about before they leave. They're going to Las Vegas next year, but at least for right now, they're looking promising and could potentially make the playoffs. LA Chargers. Philip Rivers is past his time. Plain and simple. They should have moved on from him, I think, a little while ago, but it's quite clear Rivers is not helping the team anymore. He's hurting the team more than he's helping them. He's been a great servant for them, was good in his prime, but not at this very moment. And finally, the Denver Broncos. The Broncos are playing Drew Locke works. Locke was the quarterback they picked in the second round. Joe Flacco's clearly not been the answer, and so they're hoping he works next season. Anyway, that's it. That was a long segment, I know, but don't worry, my next two aren't quite as long. But still, with plenty of good content, I'll talk about the MRU Cougars as their season came to a close, the men's soccer team, and then I'll do a little NHL NBA recap. For right now, just the one song in my music break. I have Stevie Wonder and Fingertips. Find something you recognize on cmru.ca. By students, for you.
CMRU by students for you. Welcome back to Moments of Genius here on CMRU.ca by students for you. My name is Peter Roman, and I'm into my last two sporting segments of the day. And again, my theme today for music is 60s. So all 60s music throughout my show. I wanted to talk about the Mount Royal Cougars men's soccer team. I know their season wrapped up a couple weekends ago, but even still, it was an amazing achievement and a first for the university as they ended up sadly losing their semifinal game versus the University of Calgary as they gave up a penalty late in the game. But they did beat Saskatchewan in the bronze medal game, and so they are the first medal winners in Mount Royal's history since becoming a university, which is really cool just in itself, is that they achieved something that no one else had. And the idea is just that hopefully you can continue to build off this because having achievements is fantastic and you always want to have those, but then, you know, you try and get better next year and the year after that. And so, fantastic season for Mount Royal and specifically for their leading goal scorer, Mo El Gandur, because he actually got drafted in the U Sports draft by the team here in Calgary in the Canadian Premier League, Cavalry FC, which is really cool. And just, yeah, massive congratulations to him. And obviously, I mean, he's going to get to try and make the team that like the local professional team here. He's the first MRU player to get drafted in the U Sports draft. Granted, it's only been around two seasons, but regardless, still really cool. And yeah, I think Mount Royal should be really proud of what they were able to achieve this year. Just sucks they couldn't be UFC. Although, the men's hockey team did win yesterday, so that was kind of cool, at least. You know, not a total loss in the head-to-head department. Nonetheless, UBC actually did win the whole thing. They beat Calgary in the final. UBC was probably always the best Canada West team. Unfortunately, both UBC and Calgary did not do super well at Nationals. But you know what? That tends to happen sometimes, especially when you have to travel to Montreal to play your games. So... Speaking of the U Sports Draft, I wanted to quickly just run through. I know that most of these players I've never watched play, so I can't judge most of them, but some of them I did get to watch. Third overall pick by Pacific FC was Jan Paredes of Thompson Rivers. I got to watch him twice this season when he, because Thompson Rivers, of course, they played MRU here during the regular season, and then they also played during the playoff game. And so. Really good player. I mean, never really saw anything wrong in his game, I guess. He's not the most attacking-minded defensive player, so if someone's looking for that, they're not really going to get it. But as far as just pure defending, I mean, he's pretty good. And so I think that was a good pick by Pacific. Edmonton ended up going with a couple of local kids. They picked two players from the U of A. First being David Chung, the second one being Jacob Bosch. Honestly, I didn't get a good look for U of A, because when they did play MRU here at the school, it wasn't really a game that either one took that seriously. So, not sure what to make of those ones. But, 
I thought Jake Ruby, Trinity Western, um, he was Halifax's final selection. Not so sure about him. Did not think him or anybody on that Trinity Western team played very well against MRU. And granted, it's unfair to judge a player after just one game, but I think there were better players available for, for selection from Canada West. But that's just my opinion. Again, you know, just because someone had a one bad game doesn't mean they're a bad player, not by any means. And certainly, I mean, all these players are really young. Upside is very high for every single one of them as far as hopefully making a real impact in the Canadian Premier League next season. But that's it. That's all I got. I just wanted to talk about those two things, at least for a little bit, and just recapping their awesome season. That playoff game is something that I will definitely rem remember for the rest of my life. Getting to do the announcing in that game was just ultra cool. So, Regardless, I'm on to my next two songs in my music break. I have The, Tempt the Temptations with My Girl and The Rolling Stones with I Can't Get No Satisfaction. You're listening to Mount Royal University's CMRU.ca, by students, for you.
You're listening to Mount Royal University's CMRU.ca, by students for you. Welcome back to Moments of Genius here on CMRU.ca, by students for you. I'm on to my last segment of the day, and that is my little bit of a NHL NBA recap, because there has been a lot that's changed. Again, I don't love diving into every single game or incident in these two leagues just because the seasons are way too long. But I like looking at overall storylines for what the league's basically... for what the league has had so far. So, I'll start in the NBA and the Eastern Conference where Boston are just flying high right now. 9-1 and one on the season. Kemba Walker has fit in seamlessly with this team. And I, I thought it might take a little while just because they were used to playing with Kyrie Irving. But it's like, nope. Kemba has worked perfectly with this team. And a lot of the younger players for them stepping up in the absence of some key veterans. So I'm talking specifically about Al Horford. And they've not really missed him at all. So good job on Boston. Obviously still very early in the season. But they have certainly been a bright spot so far. As have the Miami Heat who have, again, you know, new addition, no problem for them with Jimmy Butler coming in. Toronto has been more or less led by two players. Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam have been all everything you wanted and then some as far as their production in filling the void of replacing Kawhi Leonard because obviously you can't just do that by yourself, but if the team does it, then that's kind of what you're looking for and so despite the Raptors injury problems right now with Kyle Lowry having his injury Serge Ibaka having his Toronto's doing pretty well for themselves they will be a playoff team without a doubt in my eyes in the Eastern Conference whether or not they actually go anywhere in the playoffs this year we'll see I'd like to think they could at least win at one round though but again Toronto I think has a lot of good potential just because they have a lot of money coming off the books, and so if it doesn't work this year, they can totally just not do a rebuild, but they can reload their team with new players and go and try again next year. Meanwhile, I mean, the New York Knicks have obviously been in the headlines, but I mean, their team's just not very good at all. For anyone in the Knicks organization who thought they would have a good team, I would recommend they get their eyes checked because... Clearly, they didn't see the same roster that everyone else saw. Anyway, the Western Conference, the LA Lakers, off to a very fine start. Currently sitting in first place in the conference. The big storyline from the West, other than Golden State, but that's just mostly because of injuries, it's Portland. Portland are 4-8 and eight this year, and I know they just picked up Carmelo Anthony yesterday, and so we'll see if that works. I think Carmelo can be helpful if he doesn't play more than 10 minutes. And so, like, for the 10 minutes that C.J. McCollum or Damian Lillard might not be on the floor, I think that's where Carmelo can shine. Otherwise, not so sure the fit is there for them just because he's not a spot-up shooter, and McCollum and Lillard love to dominate the ball a lot. So we'll see whether or not that fit is there. But Portland did need something to happen because they need a spark considering they're already falling behind in the West. It's still very early days, but the West is real good. And if you fall behind even a little bit, you know, it can be hard to catch up, especially with the teams that you have to play against. In the NHL, 
as far as main storylines so far, I mean, kind of the same ones I was talking about a couple of weeks ago. Toronto and Tampa Bay continue to be very mixed, up and down. New Jersey, I still think Taylor Hall is probably running on borrowed time right now as far as the fact they're last in the conference. Not great as far as his hopes to be a playoff team this season. Boston were on a real roll there for a little while. They've cooled off a little bit since, but still sitting pretty top of the Atlantic Division. In the Western Conference, meanwhile, Nathan McKinnon continues to carry Colorado while his uh, running mates are currently on the sidelines. And so, I mean, yeah, McKinnon, I think, is certainly an early candidate for the Hart Trophy. But Edmonton might have two of them because... Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are on pace for a stupid amount of points. And sadly, the Oilers are still first place. But again, early days. Edmonton has continued to get pretty good goaltending. And that's been, I think, the main key for why they're still at the top of the division. Vancouver, meanwhile, have been pretty good over the last few weeks or so. Maybe not quite as good in their couple most recent games. But still, Vancouver playing pretty well, especially for a team that kind of needs to make the playoffs this year considering they gave up a first-round draft pick, which, not so sure if that was the smartest thing to do in the Miller trade, but you know what? He's been really good for them this year. He's been scoring a lot of goals for them, and so I do see the justification. It's just you don't ever necessarily want to give up an unprotected first-rounder, but regardless, Vancouver's doing well this year, and if they make the playoffs, then there's no problem because then there's no risk of it ending up in a top-three pick. The Flames, first of all, I want to say TJ Brody suffered. He basically collapsed on the ice yesterday at practice for them. And so my thoughts go out to TJ Brody. I I heard he got released from the hospital and he's at home now. So that was good news to hear. But, you know, as much as I love talking about the Flames and, you know, I mean, TJ Brody's not my favorite player ever, but health and safety always comes before hockey. And so I hope he gets as much rest as he needs. I hope he gets as much help as he needs. And yeah, like I hope I hope he's okay, basically. Like you never ever want to see that happen to somebody. And so I hope TJ Brody's okay. That's kind of my main thing with Calgary right now. It's just TJ Brody's health is way more important than what the team's doing right now. As far as other notables from the West, Vegas have kind of tailed off here a little bit. Not the best little stretch for the Golden Knights. I think they will probably turn it around here. But, yeah, not not too great for them right now. They've fallen out of a playoff spot. I think Vegas is probably too good to stay there. I think they will climb their way back up. But not the best stretch for them so far. San Jose, I don't know. I don't know if they'll ever figure it out, to be honest. Like, it is... It's, it's got to be hard to be a Sharks fan right now. Their team is ultra-talented and shouldn't be where they are. But they got to climb their way back up in order to get into a playoff spot. Anyway, that's it. That's all I got as far as my NBA and NHL recaps. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Next week, I mean, there's a really big game that starts in like five minutes. The Finnish national team will play for history, and so I will be watching that game with very keen interest. 
in hoping that one of my countries can do something they've never ever done before, and that would be make the European Championships. So I'll have that, I'll have NFL recaps, and a whole bunch of other good content next week. For right now, I'm leaving you off with two songs to end my show. The first one, The Sonics with Psycho, and the second is The Beatles and Hey Jude. Don't be afraid 